Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31 will be our text, but today I will begin by reading verses 21 through 26. Romans 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation, say it three times real fast, right? In his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Look, Paul is saying a mouthful here. There's a whole lot of gospel theology in Romans chapter 3. If we get just a little bit of this down as part of the foundation of our understanding of the gospel, it will, I think it will broaden and deepen um, um, our understanding of how much God really loves us and how much I should really love God in return. So, if today's sermon had a title that I sent to Morgan early in the week but did not, it would be, this week, it would be, but now. But you know what sounds even more exciting than that? It says, but God, right? But God. Two, two of the greatest words in the Bible, this section starts with. It says, but now. Remember, since Romans, from Romans 1.18 forward, we've been talking about the wrath and judgment of God. And is God just for judging sin and sinners? We've also talked about the fact that the Bible says God will judge all unrighteousness. And his wrath will be on all ungodliness. And remember, last week was even a little tougher. It says that we're all guilty as charged and that we're all accountable to God. Paul quoted those several Old Testament scriptures, primarily in the Psalms last week, and it said, there is none righteous, no, not one, nobody who seeks after God. You see, there are times where we get these brief glimpses of the true depravity of mankind. By the way, that includes you and me. I don't like to think about my own personal depravity it's much easier to think about yours. Okay, no, just... So, when I think about the separation from God, we were born in this sinfulness that God has to deal with. 
And so, so the message the last couple of weeks has been tough, right? We're all guilty as charged. We're all accountable to God. God is going to judge all unrighteousness. And then in verse 21, but now, but now. Listen, I've had some but nows in my life, right? You probably have too. But the greatest but now I ever had is a but now when I was 12 years old. But now I understand that Jesus loves me and that my sins can be forgiven. I thought about a few but nows. Maybe you've had one of these. Maybe you haven't. I lived in shame over my sins and never wanted anyone to know me well enough because then they might find out who I really am. But God, but now. I lived in fear of people finding out what I really used to do or who I was. But God, but now. I hurt people badly and thought I could never be forgiven. But God. You see... I was addicted to cocaine and heroin, but now, God. I was lonely and depressed and didn't want to live anymore, but now, God. I was angry at the world every day, but now. I hated God and others because of what happened to me, but now. You hear this in verse 21. And it should excite you and it should excite me. And maybe there's a but now coming for you today or in the near future. You may have had the but now where you realize how much God loved you. And you surrendered your life to the gospel and to salvation in Jesus Christ. But listen to what the Bible says here. You see, but now... Douglas Moose says it this way, but now marks the shift in Paul's focus from the old era of sin's domination to the new era of salvation. So from Romans 1.18 to 3.20 has sketched the spiritual state of those who belong to the old era, justly condemned, helpless in the power of sin, powerless to escape God's wrath. But now, God has intervened to inaugurate a new era, and all who respond in faith will be transferred into it from the old era. No wonder Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher from back in the day, can exclaim, there are no more wonderful words in the whole of Scripture than just these two words, but now. And so, we continue with the Word, in the Word of God here. There are some really important terms, and, and, and I don't want them to just be terms or things we learn today, but, but things that you hopefully have already internalized in your life as a follower of Jesus, in verse 21, we see what God's going to do. In verse 22, we see what uh, uh, followers of Jesus, you and I, and followers of Jesus in the future are going to do. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been made known. God has made known his righteousness. Witnessed by the law and the prophets, by the way. They prophesied Jesus. They knew it was coming. And by the way, we don't always get this, but 
And we're going to talk about this more next week in Romans uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, that even in the Old Testament, men and women, men were justified by faith, not by works. And we're going to talk about that next week in detail when we talk about Abraham. So God has demonstrated his righteousness to us. And then it says here, he repeats it, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, so what has God done? God has made his righteousness known. What or who is his righteousness? It's Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. Paul is making that very clear to us throughout as one of the themes in Romans, right? That, that, that um, it's all level ground at the foot of the cross, amen? That salvation is for the Jews and the Gentiles. It's not just for one group of people. But here, he says, for all who believe, who put their faith in Jesus Christ. So today, the but now, God revealing his righteousness, God's righteousness is being revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? So Jesus Christ is our Savior. He says, now there's two words here, this idea of righteousness and justice or, or, or justify or justification. And they are so closely related that even in the, the Hebrew root words for these two words in the Old Testament are so close that you can almost talk about them, not interchangeably, but you'll see they're closely uh closely defined they come from the same root word in the hebrew language and very similar root words in the greek language why is that so important we're gonna see because paul uses this forensic uh courtroom language remember we talked about law and order last week right we all were in an episode of law and order right each of us was the bad guy in our own episode we didn't like that because we don't want to be the bad guy but Paul uses this kind of courtroom language um, throughout the book of Romans. But he talks about um, this righteousness. Um, here, I'll try dikaiosune. Uh, why do I say that? It's, it's just, it's so important, this righteousness of God. So verse 23 says and repeats, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift. So it's that story again. I'm in the courtroom. I'm guilty. You know the old phrase, guilty of sin. Well, now you know where it comes from, right? I'm in the courtroom. The trial is over. It has been established. I am guilty as charged. I am going to be held accountable. And then you know what happens? Jesus stands up in the back of the courtroom and comes forward and says to the judge i'm going to take charlie's place doesn't matter whether charlie was guilty or not i'm gonna walk out the door and go home and jesus is taking my place as a i'm the guilty sinner jesus is taking on my crime and my sin and i get to go home now, I shared a couple stories with you last week. If you weren't here, too bad. I'm not doing it again this week. But I've been in the courtroom, and I experienced some justice, and I've experienced some mercy. Um, 
But that is exactly this idea of being justified. It's a gift. God, God's gift to you as the guilty party, God's gift to me as a guilty one who has already, remember, account, I'm, I'm guilty as charged, held accountable to God. Romans 3, 23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God says, but now, but now, here's Jesus. Jesus is going to take your place. He is the righteousness of God, and God sent him to take your place and to take my place. And you get to go home. This justification that takes place, this justify, this righteousness of God, who is Jesus, and then this justification that now, now if you are, if you are that person who accepts that gift, say, what do you mean, pastor? I say that for all those who believe, the word there in the Greek language for believe is faith, pistuo, for all those who place their faith in Jesus and receive that gift, you get to go home. Your sins are all forgiven. You are no longer guilty in the eyes of God. No longer guilty. Well, pastor, what about, nope. Pastor, I didn't, nope. But now, but now, you see, some, and the Bible says in other places, some who have sinned greatly and then come to know Jesus recognize, they recognize the, the, the worth and the value of their salvation so much because they've been relieved of the fear and the guilt and the shame. We've all done things that we hope nobody else finds out. We've all done things, or most of us have done things that you wouldn't want up on the video screen for everybody to see the movie of your life. Or I, I know I got a long list I don't want you to see. And what does the Bible say? He says, and not only that, he says, he's being justified. You're being justified as a gift by God's grace. You have been highly favored by God and offered a gift. Remember in Romans 1, we talked about general revelation. This is special revelation. This is you hearing and being moved in your heart to, to accept the fact that you are a sinner who cannot be right with God, who's going to experience God's wrath unless I accept this gift of love from God and confess my sins and let the blood of Jesus save me. So I'm getting ahead of myself. So this redemption that is through Christ Jesus. Listen, I know you guys are like uh, some of you. Well, some of you will know what a coupon is, right? <laughs> and you go in the store and you get done shopping and you used to give them to the cashier. Now you just scan them yourself, I guess. And you have these coupons and it saves you some money. You buy back. I ask God to redeem when I pray for some of you and you're serving the Lord and I say, God, please redeem their time. I ask God to bless you because you're serving the Lord. This is redemption. God has redeemed you. He has bought you back. You belonged to Satan and to the world and to sin 
and God bought you back. He redeemed, he redeemed you. You no longer, remember, no longer the old era, the, but the new era. But now, but God. That's an encouraging message, it, I hope, for you, those of you who are believers. And if you are not yet, or if you think that maybe you've not surrendered your life to Christ yet, this morning, this morning, I don't think it gets more involved than this. This is, this is the gospel and will continue. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. That word there, that word there has a lot of Old Testament. That propitiation is, is the hilasterion. It is in the Old Testament, in the Ark of the Covenant, was in the holy place. Only the priest could go in there, and he better be right before he goes in there, on behalf of the children of Israel, and he would take some blood to sprinkle on the mercy seat. This hilasterion, this propitiation, is referring to the mercy seat of God that sat on the Ark of the Covenant. And when the priest went in there, he sprinkled blood on this mercy seat on behalf of himself and on behalf of the children of Israel for forgiveness for their sins. Look, this guy had to be right, right. You had to be right to go into the Holy of Holies. And he only went in there once a year to do this. And as a result, the Jewish people celebrate this Day of Atonement. Atonement was made through the blood, by the blood of the sacrifice for the children of Israel, for the forgiveness or the covering of their sins. What the Bible is saying in Romans chapter 3 here is this beautiful picture that God loved you so much that he sent his only son Jesus to be your atonement, to be the blood on your mercy seat so that you and I could experience the forgiveness for our sins. Now look, because of Jesus, the Bible says that he was an even better sacrifice and a new covenant because we don't have to keep doing it. Jesus is the final sacrifice. He was the living sacrifice. So the priest had to go and do this once a year with the blood of the animal, with the blood of the bull, I believe. This says here that Jesus is the final sacrifice and he shed his blood on the cross um, to represent your or, or to be your atonement and my atonement so this propitiation this i know right <laughs> that's like five syllables right so this propitiation this this hilasterion you picture the priest putting the blood on the mercy seat the mercy seat of god that's where god's presence resided back then for the israelites in the holy of holies in the ark of the covenant is where, remember, they followed it, pillar of fire by night, pillar of smoke by day. God's presence resided there. And so it says here, remember, that wall was torn down when Jesus died. That, that, that temple curtain, the thick temple curtain, was rent, torn.
torn in two. Why? Because we no longer have to have the priest go into the Holy of Holies on your behalf. Why? Because Jesus did it once for all. So now, so this was to demonstrate. Here's that word again, this demonstration. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, God's righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time. Here we go. So that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So God is just. God is the one who will justify you through Jesus Christ. Remember, I have shared with you several times, God sees you, if you are his child, if you are a follower of Jesus, he sees you as the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. God doesn't see us any longer as fallen sinners. He sees us as his precious children forgiven because of the atonement because of the shed blood of Jesus who paid the price for your sins if you have accepted that free gift now y'all missed out when I was a youth pastor and I would preach a message like this I would have a bunch of cold stone cards like ten dollar um, cold stone cards in my pocket and I would start giving them out to the kids and I would be tell and I would tell them that that was a free gift and they didn't have to do anything. All they had to do was go eat ice cream later on, right? And it was an example of a free gift. They didn't have to do anything for Pastor Charlie. They didn't have to do any. It was a free gift, no strings attached. Of course, the kids love. I don't have any for you today. <laughs> but, but the gospel is 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 present, and so I, I, this is my favorite presentation of the gospel. Eh, Romans five, Romans three. <laughs> are my favorite presentations of the gospel. We see, look, God put it all out there. Would you sacrifice your firstborn or your only son for somebody else? Would you sacrifice your firstborn or your only child for somebody who, I mean, they would spit on you or hate you or not listen to you or not care? No, we wouldn't in our imperfected humanity. No, of course not. God loves you and I so much. And in his righteousness, he made a way for you and I to be justified with him, to be right, made right through Jesus Christ. God loved you so much that Jesus, his only son, came to make a way for you to be right with him. And, and to not experience the wrath of God. Now, there's a different judgment for believers, and we won't go there today. We're all going to go before God. Great and small, believer and unbeliever, we're all going to stand before God. But, but a very different judgment for his children, for followers of Jesus. So, so then Paul is going to ask three questions, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a break today. And the three questions, we'll, we'll go backwards and address them next week, when we, because he starts chapter 4 with a fourth question. To be honest with you, I think that whole section goes together anyway. But it is very important. He, the three questions in 27 through 31, where is boasting? Is God the God of the Jews only? And do we, not, do we nullify the law through faith? Do we not have to obey the law anymore because of faith? 
those are the three questions he asks, and they're very important uh, in addressing the gospel, and they're important to our salvation. But, but today, I want us to remember, but now, but God. Do you need a but now in your life? Do you need to a fresh word from the Lord? Do you need that, that, that sense and presence of the Holy Spirit? Did you have a rough week? Are you having a rough month? What did someone say? They said, um, what did they say? Um, my, trial, my, my, trial of, uh, my trial use of 2021 is up and I want to send it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that, right? You see that meme on Facebook? Yeah, my trial period of 2021 is up and I want to give it back. I don't want the rest. You know, but now, but God. And maybe you need a but God in your life that is, um, that is for your very salvation. Hey, pastor, you know what? There are days I, I just don't want to get up. I don't want to live anymore. I hear people share that with me. Uh, man, we had a great time this morning. Some of the guys were out on the corner and they said something to Diane. They said, and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to church. And they said, oh, well, will you pray for us? Well, Diane, being who she is, she came and got me and Eric. We went back across the street and about 10 of us stood right on the corner and we prayed. And we prayed for salvation and we prayed. And yeah, amen, that's right. And God gave us that opportunity to just pray for the salvation of those young men and other things that they asked us to pray for. But so, so my friends, listen, but now, what if today is but now for somebody, for their salvation, for their healing, for a fresh word from the Lord so that you could get up tomorrow morning and continue on? The gospel, the gospel, the template of the gospel lays right over top of our everyday lives. The gospel impacts our day-to-day -day lives. And I hope you're hearing that today. I, I hope you're encouraged uh, by that today. In closing, uh, Morgan is going to come and lead us in another worship song. I pray that you'll take this time as your time of commitment, a time of prayer. Remember the scriptures we read earlier about praying for our country? praying for our leaders, praying for one another, praying for personal humility. I know that's what I need. And, and just take this quiet time in the next couple of minutes while we're worshiping uh, to ask God to, to, to meet you there, okay? Thank you. Morgan?